0: This is Dr. Benny Tate, and I would like to thank you for tuning in to this week's message at Rock Springs Church. Wherever you are, I hope this message encourages you and helps you grow in your walk with God. Here's this week's message from Rock Springs Church. Psalms 22 verse one through six says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why aren't thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring. O oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not, and in the night season, and am not silent. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabits the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in thee, they trusted, and thou didst deliver them. They cried unto thee, and were delivered, they trusted in thee, and they were not confounded. But I'm a worm. I'm no man, a reproach of men and despised of the people. Let us pray. God, as we bow our heads and our hearts in your presence, I pray today that you would speak to us and through us. Give your word a free course to travel and may it find a lodging place in the hearts of men, women, boys, and girls. And I pray this prayer with a grateful heart for I pray this prayer in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I want to talk to you about a message, a message I've never thought about, a title I've certainly never thought about, if I could only preach one sermon, if I could only preach one sermon. Now, there's a scripture in Proverbs that says this, in Proverbs 18 and 16, it says, a man or woman's gift maketh room for them and brings them before great men. That's That God gifts you, and because you have this giftedness, many times it will bring you through doors that you couldn't have came through, but it was because God gifted you and allowed that to happen. I started thinking a little bit, I thought about, you know, in my lifetime, I've met five vice presidents of the United States. I've met five vice presidents of the United States. And then in my lifetime, I thought, I've met six presidents of the United States. You say, Pastor Benny, how do, you, how do you do that? Well, you just got to live to be old, amen? <laughs> you just got to live to be old, and there's a good probability and possibility that it might happen. But you know, I thought about the five, five vice presidents, and I thought about the six presidents, but there was a meeting in my life that was more important than all of them put together. There was a meeting in my life that was more important than all. I wouldn't take one meeting, this one meeting for all those meetings put together. It actually happened in 2011. I went to a place called Montreat, North Carolina, and I went to the home of Dr. Billy Graham, and I spent time with Dr. Billy Graham. And I got down on my knees and got a legal pad, and I just started asking Dr. Billy Graham questions. And I was getting ready to go when I said, "Dr. Graham, I want to ask you a question as I go." I said, "I serve in the a capacity as a president of a, a denomination, and I have a lot of pastors that that kind of look to me, and I kind of oversee and kind of guide." And I said, "Up." Uh, What message would you say to me to give to those preachers? What advice, Dr. Graham, what advice would you give me to take back? I've got to go back. I'm leaving here. What advice would you give me to take back to those preachers? And Dr. Graham said, I would say to you to go back and tell those preachers, preach the cross. I would say to you to go back and tell your preachers to preach the cross and folks, let me tell you something. There's been many times in my life that I actually didn't know what to preach. I knew I had a big responsibility because as a leader, you can delegate tasks, but you can't delegate responsibility. And I knew I had a big responsibility. And many times when I didn't really know what to preach, I would just always return to the cross. First Corinthians 1 and 17, the great apostle Paul said, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. He said in 1 Corinthians 2 and 1, And I, brethren, when came unto you, came not with excellency of speech or wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. The prince of preachers, Charles Spurgeon, He said, when you stand up to preach, read your text and make a beeline to the cross. (laughs) Read your text and make a beeline to the cross. So if I only could preach one sermon unequivocally, that one sermon is the message I'd preach to you today. I'd preach about the cross. Now there's three things I want you to see. First of all, I want you to see the amazing prophecy of the cross, the amazing prophecy of the cross. Look what verse 16 says, "For dogs have compassed me. the assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierce my hands and my feet." Now wait. That verse was written 1,000 years before Christ. Crucifixion was not even invented when that verse was written. That verse literally was written 1,000 years before Christ. But it was the prophecy of the death of Jesus Christ. And if you read Psalms chapter 22, there are 33 specific prophecies of the crucifixion in a book, in a song that was written 1,000 years before Christ. Now, I don't have time, ladies and gentlemen, to deal with all 33 of them, but I want to give you some of those prophecies. The first prophecy I want you to see is the cry, the cry. What Psalms 22.1 says. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Now wait. A thousand years before Christ, this was penned. But yet, Matthew 27 verse 46, Jesus was on the cross and he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You say, Pastor, why did he say that? Well, the Bible tells us in Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 13, it says that God is of pure eyes than look on sin, than to look on sin. I want you to understand something. There was a moment on the cross when Jesus Christ became your sin. There was a moment on the cross when Jesus Christ became my sin. And ladies and gentlemen, the moment he became our sin... God had to turn his back on his son. God had to turn his back on his son. because, ladies and gentlemen, he could not look on your sin, and he could not look on my sin, because the Bible says he's of pure eyes than to look on sin. This is all I want to say. Oh, happy day. Let me tell you something. God turned his back on his son so he would never have to turn his back on every one of us. God turned his back on his son. So he would never have to turn his back on you and me. See, I see his cry, but I want you to see something else. His contrast. What what verse 2 says? It says, I cry in the daytime, and thou hearest not. In the night season. Now wait, a thousand years before Christ? Why did he talk about the daytime and the nighttime? Let me explain. Jesus hung six hours on the cross. He went on the cross at 9 o'clock in the morning. And at 12 o'clock, ladies and gentlemen, something happened. What happened, preacher? Well, look what the scripture tells us in Matthew 27, 45. And from the sixth hour, there was darkness. You said, Pastor, I think it was an eclipse. No, 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 not at noon. God cut the lights out just so it would be like it was prophesied. Daytime and nighttime. Pastor, why did God cut the lights out? No, wait, wait. Why did it get dark? Outer darkness, excruciating pain, separated from God the Father. Outer darkness and excruciating pain separated from God the Father. Why, Pastor? I'll tell you why. Jesus Christ took your hell and he took my hell so we never have to go to hell. Can we give him praise for that? See, I see his cry. I see his contrast. But I want you to see his cruel treatment his cruel treatment, verse 14 says this, I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax, it is melted in the midst of my bowels. The medical, a medical doctor said that Christ went through five basic wounds. Wound number one was contusion. Contussion. You said, Pastor, where, where does that come from? Well, it's in Matthew 27, verses 67 and 68. They would take their hands. They blindfolded him. They spit in his face. They would take their hands and they would smote him and they would hit him. To his face was swollen beyond measure. Contusion was the first wound that he went through. But that was just one wound. The medical field says the second wound was laceration. Because Matthew 27 and 26 says they they took his body and they put him over a, a rail and they took a cat of nine tails. That would dig into his flesh. Most men did not live through it because literally the intestinal tract would be jerked out. Contulsion, laceration, and then penetration. The Bible tells us in Matthew 27, they put a crown on his head. It was poisonous thorns about three inches deep. And they would take a reed and they would... Beat those thorns down in that were poisonous because they wanted those poisonous thorns to get in down into his thinking. The fourth wound was perforation. They took spikes, ladies and gentlemen. They took spikes and they nailed them through the median nerve. That was such excruciating pain. John 20 and 27 speaks of the, the wounds in his hands. And then the last, the last wound was incision, where that Roman soldier in John 19 walked up and took a spear and rammed it into his side and out flowed blood and water. There's the prophecy of his cry, his contrast, his cruel treatment. But lastly, ladies and gentlemen, there was the prophecy of his continual thirst. Look what he said in verse 15. He said, my strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws. He had been 18 hours in a Palestinian desert with no water, a severe fever, his tongue swollen three to four times the size of a normal tongue. He had lost so much blood. His heart was trying to pump the blood. Blood pressure dropped out. Kidneys wouldn't produce urine. And that's why he said, I thirst. John 19. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled. He said, he said, I thirst. I thirst. Now get this, folks. And there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled the sponge with vinegar. Look, and put it on hyssop. Nothing's, nothing is in the Bible just to be in the Bible. That's right. Why does it say they, they put it on hyssop, pastor? Let me give you a story. You remember when the Passover took place and God said, I'm going to send the death angel through Egypt? But he said, you want to put blood over your doorpost. You want to put blood on the top of the door, on the sides of the door. What did he tell them to put blood over the door with? Go to Exodus chapter 12. He said, you take hyssop and you put it over the doorpost. You take hyssop and you put the blood over the doorpost. So, ladies and gentlemen, when Jesus was on the cross and they took hyssop and they put the vinegar to his mouth, look what verse 30 said. And Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar. He said, it is Finished. Oh, you didn't hear me, folks. He said it is finished. The blood has been applied. The sin debt has been paid, paid in full by the blood of the Lamb. Amen. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know something. I want you to know some of the amazing prophecy of the cross, but I want you to see something else. The agonizing passion of the cross. The agonizing passion of the cross. Now get this. Look what verse 6 says. But I am a worm. Wait, wait. Why would that be there? I am a worm. Well, you've got to understand, folks, the Bible was not written in English. The Bible was written in Hebrew. (laughs) So the word there is not worm. The word there is taloth. It's a Hebrew word, (laughs) taloth, that means crimson worm. Crimson worm. Now, now let me tell you about a taloth. A taloth has babies one time in its life. Just one time will a taloth have babies. And when a taloth is getting ready to have babies it will find a tree or it will find a fence post, ladies and gentlemen. And that taloth will bond itself to that fence post. It will bond itself to that tree. And if you try to remove the taloth from the tree, you will rip the taloth's body. You will tear its body. Now get this. That taloth goes to that fence post voluntarily and it bonds itself to that fence post. When that taloth has its babies, it dies. When that taloth has its babies, it dies. But ladies and gentlemen, a few days later, red blood starts oozing out of that telos body. And that blood that oozes out of its body gets on those babies' bodies. Now, you're not hearing me. But listen, it gets on those babies' bodies and it stains those babies' bodies red for life. No, no, you didn't hear me. You didn't hear me. No, you didn't hear me. They're they're hearing me online. They're just not hearing me in this building. No, no, no. Oh, you say, Pastor, what are you talking about? I'm so glad that a Savior went to a wooden cross. He voluntarily went to a cross. He died on that cross, ladies and gentlemen. He shed his blood, but because he shed that blood, I've been stained by that blood. I've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. I'm on my way to heaven because of that blood. If it wasn't for my Methodist dignity, I'd shout right now. (laughs) Oh, folks, the amazing prophecy of the cross. The agonizing passion of the cross. Let me give you one more. (laughs) The abounding provision of the cross. The abounding provision of the cross. It's in verse 27 and 28. Look what he says. All the ends of the earth, all the ends of the world, shall remember and turn unto the Lord and all the kindreds of the nations shall worship before thee for king for the kingdom is the Lord's and he is the governor among the nations ladies and gentlemen because of the cross we can be forgiven Ephesians 1 and 7 says in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. A little boy got an elf on his paper and he went to his teacher upset and he said, I don't deserve this grade. She said, I know, but it's the lowest one I could give. Oh, friend, I don't deserve for my sin to be forgiven. I don't deserve to have peace in my heart. I don't deserve for my guilt to be gone. I don't deserve to not have to fear death. I don't deserve to be guaranteed a place in heaven. But thank God for the cross. And because of the cross, I have provision. Folks, joining the church won't do it. Getting baptized won't do it. Being a good person won't do it. We've got to come to the cross because only the cross can wash away our sins. Isaac Watts, from days gone by, he wrote a song. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, And the burden of my heart was rolled away. It was there by faith. I received my sight, (laughs) and now I am happy all the day. Years later, Chris Tomlin heard that song, and he wrote a song at the cross. At the cross. I surrender my life I'm in awe of you I'm in awe of you Where your love ran red Where your love ran red and my filthy sin was washed white. I went all to you. I went all to you, Jesus. Oh, folks, can we just put our hands together and thank God for the cross? Can we just thank God for the cross? Thank you, Jesus. Let me close by telling you a good story. Because, folks, when I say it, I'm going to just tell you a good story. Because I've just told you a great story. This one's only good. Because the, the whole message about what the Lord did for us has been great. Not, not that my sermon's been great, but what Jesus did for us is great. <laughs> Folks, I'm not a great man, but oh, I've got a great message. Amen. The message of Jesus. <laughs> Jack Worm was working in a restaurant in 1949, and he was fired in San Francisco, California. Jack Worm was fired, and he was walking up and down the beach in San Francisco. True story. And a bottle floated up. And Jack Worm saw there was a cork on the bottle. And he pulled the cork off the bottle. And there was a message inside the bottle. This was it. To avoid confusion, I leave my entire state estate to the lucky person who finds this bottle and to my attorney, Barry Cohen. And it was signed, Disney, I mean, Daisy Singer Alexander. She owned, she was the heiress to the Singer sewing machine company. He he, he failed that. And he went and found that attorney. Now look, He found it in 1949. She put it in the ocean in 1937. It floated around for 12 years. He found it in 49. He goes to the attorney and the attorney says, yes, this is legit. They separate her estate in 1949 and each get $6 million apiece. I said, Pastor Benny, you've been on vacation this week? Yes. What have you been doing? Just walking up down the ocean. <laughs> you never know, amen? You just never know. Just walking up down the ocean. I read that story and I thought, what a wonderful story. A message in a bottle. But I got to be honest with you, folks. You got something better. You got a message in a book. (laughs) Because there was a message written in blood. Amen. There's something better than a message in a bottle. That's a message in a book. That's a message in blood that God loves us and He sent His Son to die for us. And if we accept His Son, we have eternal life. Can we put our hands together and just thank the Lord? Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Rock Springs Church. If you would like more information about Rock Springs, be sure to follow us on social media or connect with us at rockspringsonline.com. Join us right here next week for another message from Rock Springs Church.